0: Are you a true motorsports enthusiast seeking premium safety equipment? Do you need expert advice to make the right choice? Look no further. Go to ogracing.com. Og, the ultimate destination for high-quality motorsports gear. OG stocks Dad, it's, og. it's not og. OG stocks products from the largest manufacturers including Sparco, OMP, Alpine Stars and much more. OG Racing is offering oh. it, It's OG is offering an exclusive 15% to our listeners. Use code SLIPANGLE15 at OGRacing.com during checkout. It's OG, Emma. You'll get free standard shipping on orders over $100. Don't miss out. Visit OGRacing.com and use SLIPANGLE15 at checkout. That's Um, OGRacing.com and SLIPANGLE15 at checkout.
1: For years, Slipangle and Apex Pro have worked together to help make drivers faster. The all-new Apex Pro mobile app for iOS and Android is now available on the App Store and Google Play Store. Download the new app for free, create a user account to log as many laps as you'd like using your phone as the GPS source. Apex Pro is the app for timing your laps and logging your data at the track. With video recording and intuitive analysis features, plus the ability to easily share and compare data, Apex Pro is the best way to learn about your driving track side. Apex Pro includes leaderboards so you can see where you stack up against other users, and Apex Pro lets you see other drivers on track in real time with the Crew View feature. Upload your data easily to FireLapse to compare with drivers using other data devices. Download for iOS and Android today by searching Apex Pro New we're recording a show
0: uh maybe if you press the button and i press the button then maybe we are
1: we're gonna have to do something we haven't done in a long time which is try and sync up audio from different
0: sources (laughs) abe's in uh california for work yeah i'm I'm in my couch
1: i'm in palo alto uh for a total trip time of like 48 hours which Uh,
0: when do you land yesterday
1: Uh, I landed yesterday afternoon at like, I don't know, five or six. And I I get my flight takes off tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., which was Mm -hmm. bad planning. I was trying to get home at a reasonable time. But Palo Alto is like 30 minutes from San Francisco Airport, which is where I've (laughs) flown in and out of, which means that I need an Uber to pick me up at like 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. In order yep. to make it to my flight in time. So uh <laughs> this this show might be a little brief because I want to eat some dinner and go to sleep. And
0: I flew out of SFO uh, for Laguna. Do you have to take a train like once you get through security? I forget.
1: I have no idea. I, I can't didn't never know. I didn't when well when I landed I didn't need to take a train to get out to the rideshare and whatever. But okay. I might yeah.
0: on the way back. No, who knows? It probably was just to rental cars because we had to go pick up a rental car.
1: Oh. Yeah, that was uh that's probably my biggest mistake of the trip thus far. I didn't yeah. know if parking was going to be available at the place I was going to and I certainly didn't know how much it was going to cost to park at the hotel. Right. So I assumed probably that it would be cheaper just to Uber the places that I wanted to go. Dumb and <laughs> it's it's definitely not. And it's kind of a nuisance because right. I want to go to a place for dinner tonight and it's not that far away, but it's like $25 one way.
0: Oh, man. It's expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I really just wish I would have picked up a rental car because it seems like whenever I travel for work, if I don't have a rental, my... I regret not having a rental.
0: Right. Well, you got to learn from your mistakes, Abe. Rent, your, rent yourself a nice Palo Alto Tesla.
1: Well, the other, the other mistake I made was, given that my flight was so early tomorrow, what I should have done was one night here on site and one night back at, like, an airport hotel in the vicinity. That way I could get up a little bit later tomorrow and not, like...
0: And walk to it, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I know there's, there is hotels, like, on the airport grounds. Because I took the train from the rental cars to the thing, and there's like trains that go to hotels. Like a stop one. Or whatever, um, so.
1: Mistakes were made. Let's say.
0: Oh man, you're blowing it, dude. You're brand new job, and you're you're screwing it all up. Oh, I got to <laughs> learn how to be a,
1: a road warrior. It's yeah. uh, crazy. We uh, one
0: brand of new our new job, same company. Yeah, new job, yeah, same new company.
1: Job. Um, I'm going to do business development for a specific product offering that we have. Um, and with it comes some responsibility for global travel, which yeah. to me sounds a little bit exciting, but managing the logistics of my home and my job takes a, a minute to get used to. And right. so, uh, I booked this trip to California last week for, you know, a couple days notice for this, this week right now. And, uh, we have a big production campaign for the product the material that i'm attempting to sell um
0: Mm -hmm. here in a couple just call it a poison
1: no no that's not that's not fair
0: (laughs) um you're just dr evil everything you make is probably poison (laughs) (sighs) um so i don't even know what what kind of stuff you guys are making here
1: uh, how we make we make all kinds of things but uh so i think this is the only travel that i have planned at the moment for february but in early march i have like Ten days in Italy. It's pretty rad uh, for work, uh, and Ashley's going to come with me on the trip because we we basically get like five or six nights in a hotel for free because it's a work trip, and so yep. she's going to hang out in the area and drink wine and you know be in Italy. Um, and as soon That's as we so get freaking cool, as soon as we get back, like the morning after we get back, so we get back at like seven p.m. on Sunday. The morning after, I think I'm going to fly out of Louisville to San Antonio for like a day or a day and a half to Mm -hmm. meet a client and then fly back. And then a couple days later, uh, we're going to drive to Atlanta to go on a spring break trip with Sloan. And then as soon as we get back, we're driving from Atlanta to go to CMP. And then... Uh, Coda's like right after, or no, Um, we've got the Coda trip in between there, right, in March?
0: Right. Yeah, Coda's like middle of March, right? I don't know. Like 10, it's a lot of, a lot 10, of travel. 9-10? Yeah, 9-10, I think.
1: Okay, yeah. So it's going to be uh, <sighs> Crazy. Wi- wild. Yeah.
0: I don't like travel very much, but you sound like you're enjoying it right now, at least.
1: I'm enjoying it right now
0: um i've been to palo alto which is kind of a cool little weird like 1960s town that like now the houses in a group chat today with scott malloy uh we scott was like yeah all the houses are junk and they're five million dollars or you said that or something. yeah
1: so but, it reminded yeah, it's, me it's like
0: my town if apple was next to it yeah and so my house is worth five million dollars so the, the best thing or like what
1: what came to my mind as i was driving on the road to our r&d site was on the north side if you take this is chicago like deep chicago references uh if you're on the north side if you exit 94 and you're on like on dempster and you're on the road it's a pretty big road for two lanes each direction but you're on your way into evanston it's like run-of-the-mill completely ordinary looking houses And I was, they're all like of 1960s era or whatever. Uh, The road to my site here today reminded me of that drive. And I was like, I wonder how much these homes cost because they were, they were not particularly attractive homes. And on top of that, they did not appear, at least on the exterior, they did not appear to be extremely well cared for, even though uh, every piece of real estate here is mega expensive. And so I open up yeah. Zillow, and the homes like on the road that I'm on are 5 or $6 million.
0: That's insane. It's literally, they're like my house or worse.
1: Oh, no, I'm sure that your house is way nicer.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're like 2,000-square-foot brick ranch houses, and they're boring, and they're worth a, a g- gajillion dollars.
1: Yeah, and, and so That's when crazy. I was talking to people at work today, uh, I was like, where do... Where do ordinary people live because this is insane, and most people commute like an hour each way just to come in oh my work. gosh that sucks.
0: Why is your business there <laughs> i
1: yeah uh, because <clears throat> uh because this part of the business benefits from being here, right like it has right. um a like a research connection to Stanford university and there is a, uh, a specialized piece of um, scientific equipment that's run uh, through Stanford that there's only a couple of these types of uh, capabilities in the world. And one of them is here.
0: So uh, gotta be there then. That's where they are. Yep. Well, well, You're, uh, I'm glad your new job is starting off. Okay. And Palo Alto's like, like that's a very beautiful area. Like even like the town is kind of cool. Yeah. It was there like a decade ago. I haven't explored
1: at all, but I did notice that. So I'm at a, I'm like at a Hilton garden Inn, right. Which is a, a completely ordinary hotel. And it's like $350 a night here, which is annoying. Um, but literally 500 feet from the hotel, is a McLaren dealership. And I was like, well, that's, that's weird (laughs) because my only frame of reference for like really high end exotic stuff in the Midwest is like in Gold Coast in downtown Chicago, which is in a place that is very bustling, I guess with activity. And this is like, you know, like Jimbo's McLaren Volvo dealer
0: you're 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 not joking there you're at the hilton garden in palo alto right yeah 4.1 stars 1246 reviews there's an america's tire right next to you yeah and then the mclaren dealer is right next to that (laughs) and
1: and i think uh, just based on the layout and the graphics i think america's tire and discount tire are the same store so in between my hotel and the mclaren dealership is a discount tire
0: yeah, and then right next to it is a Walgreens that, that everything's probably locked up because every Walgreens now has everything locked up, and that sucks. It's
1: a very weird so, place.
0: Yeah. Honeybake Hamco, about a quarter mile down the road, dude.
1: And I was trying to figure out if I could take uh, public transit
0: mm-hmm.
1: in order to get to the place I would like to go for dinner, and I, I don't know. I, I listened to a, an episode of Freakonomics that talked about public transit in general, and uh, in truth, I love public transit and would like to support it whenever I get the opportunity. right. One of the biggest points of frustration with public transit is that it is so region specific that if you fly yeah. if you fly yeah. into a new place the the complexity of how the hell do I even pay for a ride is mm-hmm. a barrier for people taking public transit.
0: So yeah, like they're all ran by like some local org or manager, and it's done their way. Like it it doesn't make sense that it's not just a standardized thing. And you're like, oh, I got the transit app, right? Uh, and I got a two o'clock, a one o'clock, a one forty-five, a one fifty-five. Like timeliness is a problem, and payment is a problem. You got to download their specific app that they probably paid way too much money to make, and it sucks. You know, yeah. Like,
1: and so like yeah. I. Uh, I was looking at, okay, well, can I get a one day pass? And if I can, do I have to buy a physical pass? Can I use an app on my phone? Or do I have to create an account? Blah, 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 blah. And I was, yep. I don't know. Um, I really just want to go eat this uh, uh, San Francisco famous dish. There's a place a few miles from here where I can get it. The The dish for any of the foodies to listen to the show is called Chopino. And yep. it is a, San Francisco favorite seafood stew. It's got um, like clams and uh, I think clams and a bunch of other bivalves and fish and shrimp and all kinds <laughs> of seafood in it. And it's famous here, and I it's like the only thing I want to eat while I'm here because I try and get.
0: I, I I've never even heard of it, but
1: you should you should look a picture. I'm gonna send it to you right now.
0: Um, I don't know if you like seafood but
1: on the grid life travel at least i have attempted to um get something that is specific. i mean it looks pretty
0: good I, I i looked some up right now here yeah
1: anyway that mm-hmm. place closes at eight so i'm gonna try and get a ride
0: over there so that i can eat some so you got an hour and a half or so
1: yeah they're about okay.
0: um um i did some uh, i did some grid life things yesterday yeah, we filmed a uh, the the boys came down to my house. Did you film it? Wait, did a, you
1: film an episode of Dutch Garage?
0: <laughs> Kinda. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, the you know how like they they a couple weeks ago they did GridLife's doing weekly vlog style YouTube videos right now. We're trying to like build the channel, and then we'll do like a behind the scenes at all the events and stuff like that. So it uh, should be like a fun addition. Uh, we 've got a little bit of manpower in the winter time, so like let 's start a vlog right and let 's get in the habit um try to build the channel up so check out the grid life youtube channel but uh a couple of weeks ago, they did like the staff rides and uh like probably the only staffer that 's had like a bunch of stupid magazine cars and like stuff is is me for some reason, and I spend the least amount of money on cars um but uh <sighs> Yeah, so we basically did kind of a like an interview and talked about like the you know, the early early starts of grid life and how like Chris and I started hosting track events and stuff like that. And then we talked about my hatchback and you know, they made me like pop the air jacks and like do the Lambo doors and all that stuff. So they lit, they lit my garage well. It was pretty cool. So. Um
1: That's that sounds pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It reminds me it should of be out tomorrow, an so. early episode of the gears and gasoline grid life coverage we were yeah. i think they filmed at autobahn and they were talking about um maybe it was the the episode about best first track cars or something
0: yeah i think it was but, like budget track cars first. but track you cars, were talking
1: yeah. about the honda track car scene and how it was like really immature or something and then <laughs> yeah. and then in that second you opened a lambo door <laughs>
0: That was, that was 100% on purpose. I know, but I,
1: I thought it was a really good joke.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and like, in the comment section, I remember, that was, like, 20, 2020, I think, um, in the comment section, uh, people were, like, totally flaming that, and it just made me laugh. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, talks about immature Honda scene, pops Lambo doors, face palm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Lambo doors are like actually pretty nice when you have an enclosed trailer or a lift as the primary residence of your car. I believe that. Like, Cuz there's still doors then. Like when you when you have doors that swing open, those aren't doors on a lift or in the enclosed. Those are those are annoying and you have to go through the window, so, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that was fun yesterday and uh, I made some big progress on my Godzilla swap truck in the past. You've been working seven, on that for days.
1: a little while. Um, where are you at?
0: So I started like collecting things. I mean, like a year ago, got the engine like last fall, I don't know, early winter um, from a dude in Detroit who's driven with grid life a little bit. Um, he He's got like a huge junkyard. Uh, this is a brand-new zero-mile 7.3 Godzilla swap with a 6R140 trans. It's basically out of, like, an E450 chassis slash, like, a motorhome chassis. Um, and the company converts those chassis to electric, so they sell the engine because they need a VIN chassis or whatever. We've talked about this a couple times. Yep, but, yep. Um, it turns out I bought and I bought an 07 government uh, landscaping F250 quad cab, two-wheel drive, eight-foot bed, which is, like, the chassis I wanted, kind of a rare... Quad cab, eight-foot bed, two-wheel drive is like a rare spec because, like, nobody orders that, but that's what I want. Um, So I bought one, and uh, it's rust-free. It was a Colorado truck, never been on the highway probably. It was just, like, at the Air Force Academy. Um, So I pulled the engine out, sold the engine, and I've been, like, just researching things and, like, figuring out how am I going to run this, like, brand-new 2023 engine in a 2007 truck and like do the best job of it. There's a company that makes a kit for the wiring, basically where you can take the wire take this engine and put it in like a hot rod and like you plug in this their wiring and it's got its own fuse box and power supply and all that stuff. Um, and it turns out I had the wrong generation. I had a 23 and they only support the 2021, 20, 22. Oh, that's annoying. And the ECU goes from two three plugs to two plug uh, and I was like, damn. And so they're like, well, you just buy this wiring harness and buy this ECU. So I bought the ECU. It was $99 on eBay. It was cheap because um, there's, like, no demand for a brand-new ECU, really, for, like, a consumer-grade truck. Um, but the wiring harness uh, is, like, $168 Sick, Ford, right right? Uh, yeah. Guess what? No ETA back-ordered production TBD. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you can't buy it. Um and you need like a mass airflow sensor and the pedal and all that stuff which the pedal's probably the same as the diesel pedal cuz it's like a drive by wire pedal. Uh diesels don't <laughs> have throttle plates basically so uh, it's probably the same pedal. But I found it, so I've been talking to Kyle Carstens, uh you know, a Sunday Cup buddy, yep. uh, one of the one of the hard times guys cuz he he like basically manages aspects of a bunch of dealerships. Like he's a, a higher up in a dealership group. And he knows lots of people. He knows lots of places to get things. I've been looking for this freaking harness, right? Um, and somehow he he like he took it upon himself to like really help me. Um, shout shout out to Kyle. Li- yeah, Kyle rules. Kyle's a regular listener too. So shout out to Kyle. Kyle rules. Uh, his daughter also rules. She's uh, she's rad in the merch booth uh, or on the four wheelers at the track. So, um, but we. Uh, uh, shout out to Canon, but um, we both were coming up with nothing. Like, we're talking, I got an email like on Sunday or Saturday that the harness that I ordered from Lakeland Ford, which is like the biggest parts dealer, uh, was like they were refunding my money. They could not get it. And uh, I emailed another dealer uh, that said, There's two dealers in the country that have them in stock. So I called those dealers, and those dealers are like, Yo, I can't sell you this because I ordered it for some other guy, and it took forever to get. Um, so the two that are showing in stock, like that's a not, I can't buy them. Um, mm-hmm. and they were like, they probably won't make these. This isn't the thing they're going to make. So great. Got to find a used one. And Kyle, Kyle even went to a junkyard near him or like a trans shop or something that was showing they could get it, uh, or they had it, but it was an internal trans harness was the wrong harness. Uh, and then, uh, I forgot that Facebook's a thing. Because Facebook ruined forums, and I'm mad at Facebook for ruining forums, and Facebook also kind of sucks. But Kyle's like, you should post in this Facebook group. So I joined the group um, because I accidentally reactivated my Facebook a few months ago. Uh, I did a want to buy. And some homie in freaking Quebec Sends me a picture of his sweet, like, 76 F-150 that he had put a Godzilla in. And he was like, I didn't use the engine harness. I didn't use the ECU, the mass airflow sensor, whatever. I bought the aftermarket harness from this company in Detroit. I used a different trans because I couldn't get a trans controller for the 6R140. Because uh, he probably bought, like, the same used thing as I did, you know, the mm-hmm. brand, or zero mileage brand-new engine. Um so he's like, do you want all this stuff? And I'm like, I don't want the trans. He's like, oh, no, that's just – do you want the ECU and the wiring? So I'm going to buy a backup ECU. He's going to give me an extra mass airflow sensor. He's going to give me the pedal. He's got the wiring harness. And he's also got, like, cut-off pigtails of the things that I don't have things to plug into. So if I want to get deep into wiring harnessville, I can, like, figure out where those go and not even buy this other aftermarket harness – Yeah, and it might have saved me a bunch of money. And he just shipped it like in five hours, and I bought all the parts I need, and now I'm stoked. So that's um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a whole freaking deal for the last three days trying to find this stupid wiring harness. Sure, Uh, and he's the only dude that replied. Like (laughs) these things are these things are hens teeth. I've talked to so many people and dealers, but the engine's in, it's mounted. I welded up the engine mounts on Saturday. Welded up the trans cross member. Um, Literally, it's the same length as a six liter and the drive shaft bolted right up so i don't have to do drive shaft mods the ac bolts right up and the alignment of the belts is perfect the power steering pump which drives the brake booster and everything in the diesel truck bolts right up so i don't have to do anything and the belt looks like it aligns perfect um so i gotta bolt those on next i gotta figure out belt lengths because the pulleys are slightly different sizes but that's not the end of the world and uh yeah it was a it's been a project i got about 15 hours into, like, getting the engine in, making engine mounts, maybe 20 hours, like, five hours at a time. So when you talk about um,
1: engine mounts, yeah. are, uh, will yours have, like, a, um, like a standard engine mount that is, like, rubberized and uh, vibrator? Uh,
0: yeah, so same thing. I, I did a similar thing with my Cummins swap in my F-250 is I didn't want to use polyurethane because it degrades after, like, five or eight years. Um, But, like, OEM engine mounts, like heavy-duty OEM ones, like my dad's 99 F250, the engine mounts are fine, right? Um, You don't change those. So I wanted to use the OEM 6-liter engine mounts if I could. Uh, And they're basically, like, this big thing that, like, sits on either side of the crossmember. And it's a bunch of rubber, and it's got, like, a wing that comes out of the rubber that, like, it's half-inch steel. And that bolts to the engine. Uh, or to a cradle that bolts to the engine, and the seven three, uh, the seven three is a little bit different. It's got like uh, stamp steel, like super thick stamp steel, not even painted. Uh, kind of like a, kind of like a fork that slips over uh, something. So I've got like a piece of steel that bolts to the engine. I've got my engine mount. I got the engine in the right spot, like using like wood shims and measuring and all that stuff. And so I just kind of had to connect the dots between the OEM engine mount. Uh, for the Ford diesel and the OEM engine mount for the Ford gas engine, Um, basically using, like, quarter-inch, like, steel, two-inch chunks, like, put a bunch of them in there, welded it all up, and voila. So it's got OEM diesel engine mounts, rubber-wise, and uh, and then the OEM trans-cross-member engine mount, and I had to basically lower the trans-cross-member two inches. So I sectioned it, dropped it, and, like, regusseted it basically so it's an oem cross member the bolts in the back and then uh yeah it's it should be like lifetime style engine mounts sick uh another
1: question is you live in a county that has emissions testing at like test centers will is it expected that this will go to emissions test and pass
0: uh they don't do diesel emissions for anything uh anything before 2009 Oh, I see. So, so it's a 2007 truck. On paper,
1: um, it's a 2007 uh, diesel.
0: Yep. Uh, so they won't care about that. But uh, the if I buy the wiring solution from this company, it will inco- It will have an OBD2 scan port. Like it'll, I see. Basically, it'll re- it'll replace the OBD2 scan port. So technically, I could probably plug it in, and if it's running code free, I'm good. So
1: yeah, um, uh, the emissions in Chicago are a little funny because I think all it does is check OBD readiness. It doesn't actually, uh, yeah,
0: it just, you can't have any check engine lights effectively. So yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Cause I remember yep. when I bought my WRX, I lived in Chicago and it was, uh, like catless downpipe, all those things. And I was really concerned that I wasn't going to pass emissions. And, yeah, it just, it did because it didn't have any trouble codes because the the, the <laughs> yeah. access ports at the time, like, just deactivated. It, it was no big deal.
0: <laughs> cheaters.
1: It, cheaters, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. The, uh, I think I was probably, I think I've talked about this before with you, but I was one of the last people to probably pass the dyno. Remember when, uh, did you live in Illinois when they, like, literally put all the cars on, like, dyno rollers?
1: No, I, um, Dude, for for sketch. me, all they did was OBD readiness.
0: Yeah. So so previously, like in the '90s and early 2000s, it was pretty sketchy. So they would literally have you pull onto a dyno, like a roller, and they wouldn't strap your car down. They would like pull your handbrake. They'd put a couple of wheel chocks on, and then they would start like running the thing on the dyno. And none none of the people could drive stick. Jeez. Uh, it was it was like the worst plan of all time, and I saw it happen a couple of times where they would like drive a car off the dyno, and it would go shooting across the facility. Like it would just like run out the door because these people didn't know how to use sticks. They would like lurch. It would shift the the wheel chocks a little bit, you know. Well, I and mean, like, it would like, was was the dyno do a integrated across the
1: facility? Was the dyno integrated in the into floor. the floor? Okay,
0: so like, yeah, so it, you don't there's see like five the, or six bays. And there's a dyno in every bay, like a roller dyno. It, was, it wasn't like a dyno jet. It was, some, it was emissions of some sort. They would, like, clamp a thing onto your exhaust pipe, pull your car onto the rollers, and they'd have to, like, run through a cycle. They'd be watching a TV screen, and it would, like, tell, it would like try to get them to, like, follow a thing. You know, it would, like, tell them what to do. And so there with the throttle, they're trying to, like, they're trying to like match the, the RPM level, you know? sure and then it would give you, it would give you a pass or fail well that's weird and, right because
1: like some cars the way they're tuned are open loop and closed loop right like running yeah. an evo on i always get this mixed up open loop is just like running as normal where uh right. afr is being a, a targeted I, based on right. sensor readings right but closed loop is like if if they didn't run the car under heavy boost they would never see the car in closed loop and so they would never see yeah. Like actually, what it's doing on and power. And also,
0: there was no all-wheel drive. They couldn't dyno all-wheel drive. This is only for two-wheel drive. It was the most poorly thought-out system. And yeah, they couldn't do low cars. But uh, so I moved. To, I moved out of Michigan and moved my registration to Michigan, or out of Illinois, moved my registration to Michigan. Like when I got an emissions notice, in like I don't know, twenty twenty o one, twenty o two, right after I bought the car. And then I moved back like three or four or five years later. Um, I kept it in Michigan for a while. And I by then it was like a turbo F-series Accord motor running literally 11s, three-and-a-half-inch exhaust. Like it was nuts. Like low t- high 10-second car easily with a better driver. Uh, and I got another emissions notice because I had like re-registered. And they're like, oh, He never did that emissions thing, right? And I thought I was in the clear because Michigan didn't have emissions for old cars. Um, And so did I lose you? Lost you. All right. You didn't uh, stop recording, do you? Nope. So, so, yeah, I was talking about how I had uh, lost my... Basically, like, I had to re- re-up my emissions after I moved back to Illinois in, like, 07. And it was a big, crazy Accord motor with a turbo, and it ran real fast. Um, and So I was one of the last people to actually do a sniffer pipe test in Illinois because I didn't have an OBD2 port, and they just stopped doing non-OBD2 cars. So, so I just got the turbo glowing hot, and it passed. That's crazy. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. When, as you were talking about that and how horrible of a plan this was, it reminded me one of the uh, one of the great things that I did in the last couple of weeks before I transitioned jobs is I had a uh, I had a a quote that people seem to like so much that my boss wrote it down and put it in his notebook so that he can use it for later. Um, yeah. Would you? Would you? I I think we were talking about the complexity of moving R and D sites or something like that, and how uh, he was having some difficulty communicating to people. Just how complex these details are, and how everything really needs to be planned out, and people around him were thinking that it was just going to be simple. And I, I said to him, "Well, every problem's simple when you don't think about it at all."
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, that's true. So yeah. hearing hearing about all of the things that the dino sniffer test can't do, it's like, well, obviously, because. The person who wrote that into law didn't think about how to actually do it.
0: Can you imagine being like, "Oh, they'll just put them on the dyno and it'll be fine"? And it's a bunch of like entry-level employees trying to run cars on a dyno, and they're not even strapping them down. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy idea. We own a dyno, and it's dangerous. It is know what you're doing. So unbelievably dangerous. You just have to do it all right, and you have to strap it down right, and you have to be smart. And, like, yeah. But It's not a thing you just pay somebody $12 an hour to do. On top of that, though,
1: to do a good job, like you just said, to strap it down and do whatever, is actually too slow to accomplish the objective. We agree that that's what you should do, but if everyone in the city of Chicago had to perform that test... There would be mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of cars being tested every day. There's no In way that way you deep. could have enough infrastructure to even do that.
0: No, and they closed down a lot of facilities after they went to OBD2 testing, obviously, for because it's way easier. Um, but I, I distinctly remember pulling up to it the first time, thinking, "There's no way they're doing this. This, this is, is real? this is real," and I was sixteen like thinking there's no way they're expecting this to be safe. And they waved me in and I got the wheel, the drive wheels on the rollers and they stopped me, you know, like, like abrupt stop. They're like, okay, good. And they put some like wedge chocks under my, my other wheels. And they're like, all right, get out. And I was like, no way, dude, that's (laughs) not good. Because I like read a magazine and saw cars dynoed on a dyno and you saw like four straps in the back and four in the front, right? And this homie gets in there and he's just like file it 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 was like a, you know, a super pixelated TV screen too. It was like a program from the 80s. And he's like trying to like match what it's telling him to do for this 95 Chevy pickup truck, right? And dude, I mean, when I say it was sketch, it was like it was so sketch. They people must have died. Like somebody oh, got ran. Over, I'm sure OSHA
1: just it. absolutely had a field day with it. Um,
0: and, and like after, like on the other side, you you pulled in from like say the west, and on the east side of the building, like on the east side of the dyno rollers, behind every single roller was a bunch of burnout marks uh, because you, like they were running past it, and it inched off it, and it just did a burnout, went out the building, like. You know that they launched 10 cars a day off the rollers. Um it was so dude it was so sketch.
1: So were were the rollers do you remember were they like an uh, an inertial load system or were they like uh, eddy currents?
0: It seemed like it was just a load like it it was more like uh you know like a exercise you take your like real bike and you put it on the little rollers. Sure. Uh it wasn't measuring power, it just wanted the car to like run up under some load. So oh, okay. it was probably not measuring any power but it was pro- i mean it could have, i'm sure um if you basically our dyno is just a known quantity r- diameter known weight roller yeah. with so a th- that's what
1: i meant when i said inertial right yeah. eddy current is what – it yeah it, it was is, just uh, like a
0: it was a hefty weight it was it was pretty similar to our dyno Well, just like a i will roller. say
1: so. that the uh the inertial like the the dyno jet type uh systems actually scare me a little bit more than like Andy smetagard's dino for example um yeah. because those rollers weigh not very much i mean they're still heavy but they don't weigh very much compared to the dino jet roller and the dino yep. jet roller is a 5000 pound object spinning at many hundreds of rpm yeah if, i think
0: it's it's right around 3 to 5 or something i forget exactly what the roller itself is and was. so it's like
1: if anything were to happen, however unlikely, that object, it, like, even a 100-pound tire coming off on the highway is, uh, it'll do damage to anything it comes into contact with before it stops.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. If you get your arm down inside of a roller, like, it's going to take the arm with it.
1: Dude. It's not even close. I mean, it's going to be gone instantly.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, I mean, thankfully it's pretty contained in a giant steel structure, so if the bearings failed, it would just like make a bunch of smoke and then you wouldn't use it until you fix the bearings. But um I really yeah, can't jump out. But,
1: I would be you know, interested just, to know if if the bearings were to seize, however unlikely, I think it would just tear itself out of its uh little
0: cage. I mean, that's that's my guess. It couldn't go far. It couldn't go far. But it would, yeah, it would lurch forward like six inches and just wedge itself inside of itself. But it would be violent. <laughs> it,
1: the dyno woke up today violent. and chose violence.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I don't think anybody's ever had a failure like that in dino jet land. But, uh,
1: more more likely it's just the car to come ripping off, that's all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cars come jumping off and like lurch off the dyno when the straps break because they put a strap under the exhaust. So yeah. That's that would be stupid. Anyway, well we uh we did a short show, but we almost did a show. I don't even know how long we've been recording. 30 minutes? Uh I think it's 30, 35 minutes, right? Oh now. hell yeah. 36 minutes. We talked about um, food and we talked, we talked about, about dinosaurs. trucks and some cars on my truck. Um,
1: um so How many cars the, the mediocrity, what's that? How many cars are Ticketed for coda that's the
0: the nearest one I want to say we're in the twenty car range at the moment I can't remember though that's looked
1: that's pretty good that's that's more than I last year we already. sold like
0: we sold like no we were over twenty last year um I think we were twenty six or twenty eight last year Well, yeah, there's still a little bit of time, but I think we sold almost twenty gold pass because uh, we had coda as a part of gold pass this year
1: okay um so. I assume though the tickets are open for that event as individuals
0: yeah. yeah um have been for a couple of weeks and we also put on uh we put lime rock individual events we put road america individual event up today um and right like literally within minutes of the start of the putting the tickets up uh we had like an accidental ddos style attack on torque Hub, so that was fun oh man um do you know what a DDoS is? Denial of service. Yeah, there?
1: I'm like vaguely familiar.
0: Uh, so it's like you know, people can people can ruin your website by like making uh, a, like a million inquiries to your server, like in two minutes or whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, so when you said accidental, accident-
1: how is it accidental?
0: So I guess like some there's some like text message. API thing that they use for FD because was is also servicing from the drift. Um, and something got screwed up with that and it was trying to access the server. And in like three minutes, it tried to access server 1.2 million times or something. Oh, <laughs> good grief. <laughs> so, and that was right when we were trying to launch tickets for like two pretty in demand events. And once we did, they sold out in, uh, like whatever the amount of time it is to check out, that's how fast they sold out.
1: Man. So, road um, America is gonna be such a crusher. I am I hope so. I am looking forward to that event.
0: Yeah, I hope I hope the event goes really, really well. So um we'll have uh we'll have the Rush SR series supporting us. We'll have obviously GLTC and Time Attack and we're gonna have uh D E through the weekend, uh begin around Sunday. Cool uh, and then drift on the motorplex should be super cool, so the motorplex is the cart track, yeah, we'll have probably a few sessions of like curated hand picked big drifter drifters on like big track that would be cool where are you gonna approval of it? Where are you gonna do it? I mean they can they'll do the they'll lap the whole track, but like they'll probably drift probably a little bit after turn five and then. You know, there's a bunch of stuff up until you get to, like, turn 14 that should be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so. like, from Canada Corner to 14, I think will be cool.
0: Yeah, I think that whole section, a lot of good flow, but, like, you, know, you can do a little bit after Corvette Bridge. You can do a little bit under Sargento Bridge, and the kink is, like, maybe, I don't know. So,
1: Drifting um, through the carousel,
0: I think, will be cool. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do some of that just for content creation, obviously. Yeah. But, well, I mean, like, uh, the- you
1: kind of want it to... You need to be in really spectator friendly areas, right? Right. Where where right. you have the ability to see more than one corner.
0: Yep. Cool. And, and probably actually some some of the best places to watch is probably going to be like looking downstream from like the opposite of turn five. Like there's there's the other entrance, like a turn. I don't know, thirteen, twelve, whatever. Oh yeah. Before yeah. you get to turn fourteen. Uh, some of that like standing literally like right there might, looking downstream and then towards turn 14 might be pretty cool being up in the hills by Canada. Like some of that's going to be pretty neat.
1: So. Yeah. Sick. I'm looking forward um, to it.
0: Yeah. How and soon Lime Rock's a lot real fast. I'm and, like outside
1: I was, of this loop. How soon will we start to uh, announce the
0: music lineups for the different events? So Midwest is first and then CMP. Midwest is I think in a day or two. Oh really? And we got a freaking we got a big old headliner. So sick. If you're in uh if you're in like EDM and bass world, it's a good one. So
1: well after we end big. the recording, you're going to have to tell me
0: yeah, it's one of the most it's one of the more requested artists that we've ever had for Midwest also, so it should pop off pretty well.
1: Ashley's still pissed um, that you won't book Backstreet Boys because one night when you were having some drinks you promised Ashley the Backstreet Boys.
0: I can't afford the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> they probably cost 10 million dollars. <laughs> She's already um, seen them, it's fine.
1: Yeah. She she um, said that they were they were doing a tour stop in Saudi Arabia and she was like, "You want to go?" And I was like, Fuck no,
0: <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. Yep, that's so far to go. <laughs> well, how many times has she seen the Backstreet Boys? Six there? or seven times, I think. That's uh, that's out of control.
1: It is. And on uh, well, on Chris, on that, Chris I think has seen it's,
0: fish two hundred and sixty times.
1: That's but, that's out of control.
0: That is out of control.
1: She he's Chris has probably spent a four hundred one k's worth of money going to see fish.
0: Can you imagine like spending a year worth of nights? no one band over 25 30 years no i can't either anyway but it's one of uh, the only things he likes So (laughs) we did a show i'm
1: gonna stay on the line just to to hear from you but uh thanks for listening um buy a t-shirt on the website we have awesome prints of the track tuned and slip angle shirt and inventories are updated they're super super nice they're my favorite t-shirt you should buy one they're relatively cheap and they support us a little bit so a little bit thanks cool see you
0: dudes Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits at a grid to say hello.